So there you go. So, so worldviews, uh, I'll talk to you about that a little bit. I want to encourage you that if you have not already um, to pick up some information here, like the brochure and the prayer card, uh, please take both. If you're a sticker person, take some stickers. Uh, the keychains, it says for any donation, take a keychain. Uh, I'm getting softer and softer on this. And so uh, if you commit to praying for me, here and there. Uh, I will let you take one. <laughs> How about that? Uh, if you like them, they're, they're kind of cool. Um, but anyways, I uh, just want to be a blessing to you uh, one way or another. And in fact, I'll even give you this informal permission. Uh, if you think to yourself, I haven't got it, I want to, I don't want to forget, you can just get up and grab it right now, and I would not be bothered at all. Um, but that's okay, your choice. So worldviews, uh, this is a lot of what I do. Um, I do kind of a different kind of presentation with worldviews. I don't talk about like uh, other faith systems. Uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. I, I can and I have, uh, but mainly what I focus on is just general ideas of how you and I think and how anybody would think so we can better um, evangelize, disciple, things like that. Um, so let's, let's go through it here. And so what is a worldview? So we're going to start out simple and we're going to go a little complicated, okay? But uh, very, very simply, just the, the famous example, if you had some blue tinted glasses on, then everything would look blue, okay? So that's kind of like your worldview. Um, everything kind of ch- changes. There's a shade uh, because of your worldview. So we still have to kind of explain what that's like, but uh, this is how someone will, and forgive me because I can't, I have bad vision, so I can't quite see the screen over there, but I can see this one. So just if you can, that's all right. I hope I'm not distracting. Uh, this is how someone will see or understand the existence surrounding them, okay? So how do you understand uh, all of this earth why it's here, right? Things like that. Um, how do we get here? Where are we going? We're going to kind of cover the, some of those ideas in a little bit as well. Um, but everything around you, these people, these things, um, to the nth degree. So that's also how you see yourself, though, as well. So not just everything around you, but how you see yourself, how you understand. When you see that word see, you can also think of the word understand, okay? This so is how I see it, thinking about it like with the glasses, but really what I mean is how you understand it, how you perceive what's going on around you, the people, even yourself, uh, your own thoughts and whatnot. So then uh, this could be also thought of as a filter, um, like sort of a, a filter in the brain, in the mind, to be more exact. And so as things are happening, it gets filtered through this worldview and then it comes out uh, a different way, uh, which is kind of interesting. And so it's kind of like this, you know, the best example I have here in America, I think, is politics. And so you would have basically two camps in America, right? There's more, but there's basically two camps in America politically. And both sides um, uh, would kind of say the same thing to the other side. They'd say something like, you're so stupid. This is so obvious. Why can't you see it, right? Uh, but really, it's not anything to do with intelligence. There's, you know, PhDs and everything on both sides, right? It's not about intelligence. It's about your worldview. It's how you perceive what's going on. We see the same things, but how do you understand them, right? Uh, that's kind of the idea here. So um, when we have our God, gospel, or discipleship conversations, and um, I'm going to explain uh, what, what I mean by those, those terms here in a moment, uh, but when we have these kind of conversations, spiritual conversations, we have to recognize how someone views the world uh, so we can best communicate with them. Now, you can always communicate with them, right? But we want to learn how to, to do it better, how to do it better. So that means even among yourselves here, and sometimes we have the same people meeting in the same church uh, week after week, we start to think that we think the same exact way. Uh, maybe you guys uh, are already beyond that, but um, you'll find out that there's still quite a bit of difference uh, in some things. Now, you're, you're going to agree on the major things, right? Yeah, of course, but um, there's still a lot of difference there. But then even more if you go and talk to someone from another church, even more if you talk to someone from another denomination, even more if you're talking to someone that's not a believer at all, right? Or even more if it's someone across the, you know, the other side of the earth, um, you know, someone in poverty in India that has never uh, heard the name Jesus or anything, right? You know, so that would be a completely different, different worldview with lots of different barriers that you have to kind of uh, overcome. It's not impossible, but it's just they're, they're there. So then the God conversation, okay? So I want you to think this way. So you're talking to an unbeliever about spiritual things is the idea. Very vague, very general. Um, no, you're not mentioning the gospel because that would be a gospel conversation, you see? Uh, so the God conversation is just simply where I'm talking to somebody and I can mention something like, 
oh man, the weather is so beautiful today. I love it when God allows us to have this. I kind of just sneak them in. And uh, not really sneak them in. It's, it's actually the way I would talk, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it becomes a lifestyle. Uh, but you, you, you keep saying little things like that, or, oh, praise God that, you know, this happened. Or, um, man, I got a flat tire, but, man, God is good because this happened and that happened or something, you know. Um, you're just talking about things. Eventually, someone's going to say, what are you talking about here, right? So you just kind of talk about God a little bit. Maybe even his existence. Maybe uh, how he is good just in general. You're not really getting to the gospel yet. Um, sometimes it's a series of conversations to be had, right? Sometimes it's basic things that need to be understood first. A gospel conversation is it's what you would think, really. Um, you're mentioning the gospel. There's many aspects of the gospel. Um, it could even be, you know, why would Christ have to suffer? Why did he have to go to the cross? Why is blood important? You know, something like this. Um, you know, why did it have to be Jesus and not somebody else? Or you know, there's all sorts of different parts of the gospel you can talk about. Um, even just the, my basic need. I have a basic need or, or what sin is in relation to the gospel. Um, so this, this would may or may not include their need for it. Maybe you're not there yet. Uh, maybe you're, you've talked three hours about other things with the gospel and you haven't got there yet. Uh, but you will. Uh, you should. That's the idea. Okay, then discipleship conversation, believer to believer, right? About the person and word of God. Um, evangelism, though, you have to remember, is a part of discipleship. Discipleship is the biggest idea. Um, it starts with unbelievers. When you, you're talking to someone, you are trying to train them to be a learner of Christ. You're trying to train them to imitate Christ, to follow him. So it starts even that early, uh, talking about him in the gospel, and then it should continue for the whole life. That doesn't stop. It's not just that when someone trusts in Christ, you go, okay, so just come to church at these times and see you later <laughs> and go on to the next person. That'd be a bad move. Uh, that'd be kind of a jerk move. And so you want to you actually help these people out. Um, and even if you're one that would you know, have to travel or something, uh, maybe just partner them up with someone that can be more consistent in their life. Um, that would be good as well. So discipleship conversations, that, that should be all the time. That should be uh, most of the time you're talking with a believer, as a believer. Uh, there should be some kind of investment. Uh, maybe it's just an encouragement, uh, getting them to focus on Christ. Uh, some, something there, uh, discipleship conversations. So God, gospel, and discipleship conversations. Okay, so now, how, how do worldviews play out here? Um, just to make sure, there's a video that comes up. I want to make sure there's no sound for that video when it does come up. Okay, we want to make sure or I'll never be allowed to come back. So <laughs> uh, we, we just want to look at the, the, the video of it. But okay, so when, how do worldviews play out? Um, so we, we think about politics, going back to that even. Uh, you see somebody just totally yelling and melting down on TV, okay? They're flipping out about something. Um, we see that. What do we see? We see behavior, right? That's what we see. We see behavior. Are we seeing their worldview? No, we're not. We're seeing behavior. This is the end result, right? Okay, so uh, where does that come from? Behavior comes from a decision. They decided. They decided this is the best thing I could do right now is just start yelling, crying, and melting down from everybody, okay? Now, this, this is the best decision at the moment. All right, maybe not a good decision, but that's their decision. All right, so then decisions are made after experiences, so whatever's going on in life, after it filters through their worldview, okay? So we're starting from the end results, and we're working backwards, Okay. They made a decision, and it was based off of the information after it's been filtered through the worldview. So we're still kind of talking about what that is exactly. The worldview has been constructed from literally everything. Every single thing a person has ever done, experienced, been told, uh, what they think is normal, what they think is good or bad, and for whatever reasons they think it's normal, good or bad. Okay, so their feelings, beliefs, experiences, education, the culture everything, okay? Uh, so how they grew up, and then this is, this is how they understand the world, and so an experience happens, it goes through that, whoops, it goes through that understanding, um, and then they make a decision based off that information, and that is their resulting behavior. So the deepest roots of the behavior are ideas. Now we're getting somewhere, okay? The deepest roots of the behavior are the ideas. So let's watch an example. This is that video here. Okay, so we're going to watch this, this example here. Oh, oh, because it came over. That's right, because it's a PowerPoint, and it came over as a, a, a picture. That's right. I didn't think through that one. I knew better. I didn't think through that one. I'm used to using PowerPoint. Okay, so maybe I should pantomime what this guy does. <laughs> no, you don't want that. Um, this guy, all right, so you can imagine. He's playing a game. He's, you know, a streamer, 
And um, <laughs> there's this guy that insults him, okay? And he just loses it. He loses it. So I wish you would have seen this. But um, he just totally loses it. He, he gets up. He throws the headphones down. He smacks the table. At some point, you see him checking his hand because it hurts really bad. You know, he's, he's banging around stuff. And finally, he gets back in after, you know, many explicitives and things. And he gets back into his seat, puts his head. He looks at, his, are these things broken? He <laughs> puts them on and gets back into it. Um, and so, oh, it's a shame. You, you can't see that today, but that's all right. You'll get the point still. So we see his behavior, anger and destruction. That's what happens here. Anger and destruction. Anger is his feeling. Destruction is his action, okay? Uh, that's sort of an idea. Um, so, so he made a decision, okay? He decided to behave this way. Um, he didn't have to. He decided to, right? Now, he may, it may have happened so quick in his mind that he, he said, no, it's not a decision. It's just a reaction. But it was a decision, though. Uh, even if it was a split second, uh, you know, nanosecond, there was a decision there, all right? So then uh, he was insulted. That was his experience, he processed that experience of being insulted, playing this game, because he's doing very, very poorly, um, and it filtered through his worldview, okay? And so I don't know about his worldview. I don't know. I, I have not been able to have a conversation with this guy, um, and so I don't really know where he's at, where he's coming from, uh, and, and whatnot, but this is the reality of it. So his decision was made when he was insulted. His worldview filtered his experience, okay? That was, when, that, that was the whole process there. Um, so what are the core ideas developing his worldview? Here, here, this is huge. This is huge. Value, identity, community. Remember those three things. Because this is everybody. This is me. This is you. This is literally everybody. Why, why are they the way they are? What do they value? What do they find their identity to be? What is their community? Okay? What we want to do is we want to figure out those three things for a person and then show them the value of Christ. We want them to identify their life and death in Christ, right? We want their community to be in Christ. So identity or value, identity, community, all three of those things need to be in Christ. When they are not in Christ, now really for believer or unbeliever, because there's believers that can go astray, right? So for, for everyone, when it's not in Christ, there's problems, there is major, major problems. And this is why it's so important to have a good worldview. But what I want to try to pull someone uh, over to the value, identity, and community in Christ, uh, which is, you know, through prayer, through the Word of God, through your pr just presentation, using the name Jesus Christ, things like that. Um, this isn't a whole thing on how to share the gospel. This is kind of introductory ideas here. Um, but that, that's what I need to do. I need to figure out where they're at so I can best bring them over to Christ, uh, at least make that attempt. So these core ideas, value, identity, and community, they're, they're filtering experience, this worldview, and then they're making decisions, this behavior. Just kind of put that in a nutshell right there all at once uh, to kind of simplify it. Okay, so these uh, ideas, ideas are the roots here. Um, they're powerful. Ideas are very powerful. They have consequences, okay? If you just have a singular idea like, okay, we weren't created, a simple idea, or that we are created, right? That changes everything. That literally changes everything. Uh, just a simple, simple idea that is powerful and there are consequences. Because if I'm really just a more evolved primate, I'm just an animal, uh, ultimately, what am I going to come to? I'm going to come to the conclusion that I'm not really responsible for my actions. My actions don't actually really matter. There actually really is no good or evil. How can you even know truth? What is truth? All these things come from this idea of, I wasn't created. That's all it is. Uh, isn't that amazing how that works? And then it becomes indoctrinated. That worldview gets built up. And so then when things happen, you say, hey, if you come to someone and say, you need to trust in Christ, <laughs> and that's all the information they've had, um, they're, they're, they, they are coming from a completely different place. That means nothing to them. That means nothing to them. Who is Christ? Why do I need to trust him? Trust him for what? Okay, they need to know that they've been created. There's purpose, there's, there's judgment coming. They need to know that they are sinners, what sin is. They need to know, um, you know how, how sin is, is, is you know, made better. Um, there's so much information that they need to know there. And so that's kind of how we need to be thinking through things. Even in discipleship, if you get together and do a Bible study with somebody, you don't, need to, don't assume certain things. Uh, investigate to see where they're at, how they understand things. You might be reading the same passage, and they might even say something like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Well, what part did you think was good? Why is it good? <laughs> uh, to explain it to me, you know. You want, you want to get that out of somebody because it could be that they're actually focusing on something that's actually not true. It might be an error. Uh, we want to be careful. We want to help each other out. Whoops. 
think I did a double click there. Yep, I think I did double, yeah, I did a double click. Okay, here we go. So example ideas, all right? People suffer. Okay, is that true? You can, you can say things out loud. Okay, yeah, I saw a lot of heads. Um, suffering is evil. Okay, is that true? Hmm. God is all-knowing. Is that true? Okay, a little more comments there. Uh, God is all-powerful. Is that true? Okay, all right. Uh, God allows suffering. Is that true? Yeah. Wouldn't it be horrible if God had no control? <laughs> that would be, that'd be a nightmare. Okay. Uh, so, so conclusion, God is evil. Is that true? Okay. Right. So the, do, do people think like this a lot? Is this a common thing out in the world? Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's very common. I deal with this all the time, actually. Um, and so what they do is they say that this is their line of thinking. To them, this is very logical. Now, you, you disagree. You say this is not true, and I'm with you. Don't worry, I'm on your side. <laughs> okay. Um, but is it logical, though? Yeah. It is. There's, there's a logical flow to this. Uh, so this is an interesting idea. Um, so I'm going to come back to that, the logical flow of it. And so you tell me, where's the problem? Can someone be so brave to say something from the, the, the audience here? What, where's the problem here? Okay, um, so, so uh, you're saying suffering is not evil. Why would you say that? That's a crazy idea. <laughs> Right, right. I don't know how long I can uh, spend on some of these things. Um, so think about even the, um, you know, the butterfly that's in the cocoon, right? Okay, very common. I like, I like this example. Uh, let's say I thought, oh, man, that poor caterpillar that is changing into this butterfly, it is suffering so much. It is working so hard. Now it's in its butterfly form. Uh, it is trying so hard to get out of this cocoon. It is suffering. It is trapped. And so me, being the loving human being that I am, right, I'm going to come through. I'm going to take a little knife very carefully. And I just slice open that cocoon so it's free. No more struggling. No more suffering. Does anyone know what happens to that butterfly? It dies. It does. It does. It dies. The, the, the thing, part of the design here is that that butterfly has to push and struggle with its legs. And what it does is then it pumps blood into its wings, and so then it's able to use its wings and fly away. If it does not have that struggle, then blood does not pump into its wings. It cannot fly. It dies. Uh, kind of an interesting thing. Um, the, the greatest example I ever think of is the crucifixion of Christ. Okay, if there's ever a time to say suffering is good, <laughs> that would be it. Okay, that was good. Because if that was not done None of us would have access to God. None of us would have access to heaven. Uh, we would have no hope. We would have no meaning, no purpose. It'd be a really miserable. It's a really miserable existence, right? So there, there's some. There's actually a fundamental mistake here. These are just ideas. These are ideas, and we can agree with you know half or most of the ideas here, right? I, I just I don't want to do the math quick on the spot. It's either half or most. It's one of those two. <laughs> okay. So, but the idea is it's totally wrong, right? Okay, so logical arguments build this way. You know, premise plus premise, conclusion, right? Okay, uh, that, that's the idea. Now, here's the, here's the idea. A logical argument is true if uh, the conclusion of it is true if all the premises are true. <laughs> okay, but you can have faulty premises, steps leading up to that uh, conclusion. If anything in there is wrong, then the whole thing could be wrong. So you got to be careful because some people will present things to you that are logical, they make sense, but they're not true. And for this one in particular, um, uh, for, for, for a, a big part of it, I think it's missing information. There's missing information here. Um, you could make an argument, you know, suffering is evil, and you could make that argument based on the fact that if there was never any sin, there wouldn't be um, that kind of suffering. Um, there might be some other things, but uh, I'm just saying you could make an argument. I, I wouldn't necessarily do that, but um, you could. Uh, but there's missing information. All right, so um, where, where did it go wrong? Here, I think this is the big thing. Suffering is not inherently evil. You covered that one. Uh, not inherently. There is suffering that's evil, right? There is. But not, it's not inherently evil in and of itself. The ultimate cause of suffering, though, is evil, okay? How did it come about? It, the evil happened, and that's why there was suffering. The ultimate cause of sin was Adam's sin, okay? So this is where it all comes from. So actually trace it back and see what's going on. Because what they're doing is they're blaming God cutting out the whole book of Genesis. 
um, yeah, if you cut off the book of Genesis, uh, yeah, there's, there's, we're, we're, we're lost, right? We're, we're totally lost here. Uh, but we do have the book of Genesis. What happened here? God allowed the freedom to choose or reject him. He wanted real relationships. So he created us as moral beings. We have the free choice. So there's, there's choices in front of us. We can choose to accept God or reject God, basically. That's the, that's the basic idea. And so Adam and Eve, the first chance they had, the first choice they had where they could actually reject God, they took it. They took it quick, and it was very hateful. It was rebellious. It was wicked. They knew what they were doing, um, more so Adam, and he, he had that leadership role that he totally failed. Everything went backwards. It was a horrible situation. Okay, so, so this, was God evil for allowing us to not be robots, <laughs> right? No, of course not. Uh, he allowed us to freely choose him. Um, I, it's such a great privilege to be married to Beth because she had a choice. <laughs> uh, and she actually said yes. I, I'm, I'm shocked too, still. All right. But uh, the idea is that that's very special to me. She chooses to love me. She chooses to be with me. Um, if I just had some robot, some chat AI thing, you know, do you love me, type it in. <laughs> and I change the source code so it always says you're the best guy in the world. You know, I love you so much. Uh, you know, after a while, they get old. It's not very pleasing, <laughs> right? So God gave us freedom to choose. We can reject him. And, and so in that, when we did, that was sin. Uh, when we did reject him, and of course, that's where all evil and suffering ultimately comes from. And so to have that understanding, that biblical worldview changes a lot. But you understand that a lot of people don't have that biblical worldview. And so we need to help them out with those basics there. Okay, so God, uh, sorry, Genesis 3 reveals the root of evil and suffering, also God's solution for it. Um, I'm going to later on have seven roots of every worldview, these seven big questions, and they're all answered in the first three chapters of Genesis, every one of them. Uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to learn how to walk someone through those first three chapters is absolutely fundamental. Uh, I'd love to work with you guys on that sometime if I could. So then, don't say anything. See it? Instructions? Okay. Um, don't say anything yet. Look at this on the screen. Look at that symbol. Okay. Um, don't say anything out loud, but something has popped into your head. Now, how do I know that, right? Okay. Something, some kind of uh, word or phrase. Um, if you have like a really active imagination, you might have a whole like, you know, scene, maybe some smells. There's a season maybe involved. Uh, there could be all sorts of different things, okay? So, um, whoop, all right, I'm not going to get that one yet. All right, so, so brave souls, if there's brave souls out there, uh, just, just, just what, what, what did you, raise your hand so it's not all at once, uh, but what, what did you think of? So a direction. Okay, very good. Someone else. Now, everyone thought direction, right? Everyone thought the same thing? That's weird. Okay. Uh, yes, go ahead. A tree. A tree. Okay. Uh, Gabriel? Oh, Brenna? Ah. And so um, with trees, though, sometimes there's different trees. And can you imagine even being in another part of the world, right? You wouldn't necessarily think of evergreen in Africa, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, things like that. Even if it wasn't evergreen, then some people think Christmas trees, some people don't. Some people think spring and everything, you know? Um, there's all sorts of things there. Any, so another answer. Another answer. Yeah, back. Oh, okay. Part of the building there? Yep. Yes. Tribal painting. That's a new one. Okay. All right, Beth, let's document that. All right, I like the new ones. Uh, yes? Swings. Swings? I'll have to stare at that a little bit, I think. I'll get there later. Okay. <laughs> but I believe you. All right, yes? Okay, veins of a leaf. Very good. Yeah, last one. A rocket. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, I got it. All right, here's some other thoughts here. Uh, feather. An arrow, uh, a parking lot, a parking lot, can you see the parking lot? Little spaces there, okay? Uh, like a mountain range, the middle is where the peaks, you know, the kind of peaks of it, okay? Uh, quilting stitches, that wasn't me, that was someone with a completely different worldview. <laughs> Fish bones, you know, that kind of thing, okay? Lots of stuff that we, we've had before. Um, so how different, now think about this, you guys know each other well, you're very like-minded on many things, and look how different that was was just looking at this one thing. This is a fundamental idea, very fundamental idea. How different is it with people that don't meet in the same church every week? Uh, someone that is of a completely different upbringing, okay? So let's, let's turn to something spiritual here. What about when you have words like God, sin, Bible, church, prayer, right? The list goes on and on. 
When you say words like this, even good or evil, right? There's all sorts of things. We already covered suffering. Um, When you say these words, what is popping up in someone else's mind? It's often very different than what is in your mind. And sometimes these things are so basic to us. God and the Bible, right? Prayer, obvious. And so we don't think to explain these things. We don't think to have to take the time to really break down what do you mean by that, right? So somebody could even yell at me and say, I hate God. Maybe someone will say it to me, I hate God. Well, my first reaction is not to defend how God is so lovable. My first reaction will be, what do you mean by God? Because maybe you're completely wrong about who God is. The, the idea of God in your head might be something that I would hate as well. Because I love the God of the Bible, the one true God. And so what are you thinking about? And so I, I wouldn't necessarily say all of that, but the idea is, well, tell me about this God that you hate. You know, explain him to me. And then as soon as I hear something that's not correct, I can show them from the Bible and say, this is how God has revealed himself. This, this is actually the one true God, okay? And so that's just an idea uh, of how you would go about something like that. Uh, so all sorts of these ideas. This is worldviews. This is why when you're talking to someone, we've got to learn to ask questions uh, about what people mean, how they come to that conclusion, how'd, how'd you get there, what were the steps on the way? Uh, that's sort of an idea. So seven roots to anyone's worldview. So remember, the core ideas of worldview are value, identity, community. But now I'm going to give you kind of seven questions that you don't want to put a spotlight on someone and make them sweat and interrogate them, right? But in a natural conversation with some tact, knowing the person, perhaps a little bit at least, um, present these ideas and kind of, a, you know, yeah, what, what, what do you think about this? Um, that would be kind of an interesting thing. How do we come to exist, Right? Now, that's a faith thing. You know, someone can, whatever anyone says about how life began, that they believe it by faith. That there's no, there's no other option. It's faith. Uh, and don't let them get away with saying it's not. <laughs> it's faith. Uh, so how do we come to exist, though? What are your ideas there? All right, that tells you a lot. What about the meaning of our existence? Why are we here? The purpose, the meaning. Are we just the universe developing a consciousness trying to discover itself? <laughs> No. The answer is no. Okay. Uh, no, that, that would not be it. Okay. Next one. What, what is the nature of truth? Can you even know truth? Is there absolute truth? Is it objective, a standard we have to measure up to outside of us? Or is it subjective that we can just make it up? My truth, your truth, right? That kind of a thing. Uh, what's the nature of truth? Um, next one. How, how do we account for evil and suffering? Why is it here? It certainly feels so unnatural. It does not feel right. It, 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 when, when there is death, it is odd. It is something that is, is not good. Um, it, and so why would we think that unless maybe we were intended to not die in the beginning, okay? Uh, maybe that's a very part of our fabric. And so I'm trying not to say too much about it because I have a whole talks on these things, so I have to, I have to stop here. But, um, but how do we account for that? What, where, where did it come from? Why is it here, okay? But then even how is it fixed? How is that problem fixed? Uh, we've tried a lot of things throughout human history. None of them have worked. <laughs> Um, maybe we should try this thing that's in the Bible, you know, trusting in Christ. He's the one that has the victory. Okay, um, another one, what is, what is after this life on earth? So, you know, where do we come from? Where are we going? You know, that kind of idea. What, what's after this? People can say all sorts of things, but I think when they lay their head down at night, they, they will wonder more, okay? Uh, and, and the idea is someone can have a lot of answers for you, but just ask questions, be calm, be loving, and you'd be surprised how much they'll think about those questions later. Um, you don't have to solve all the issues in one conversation. Just remember that. Um, just, just give them something to think on. Put a little rock in their shoes, so to speak. And they can't get it out of their minds, you know. Okay, and then last one here. Who is the supreme being? Uh, I guess that could be a what. Uh, someone could believe it's a what. But really, if they answer it as a what, then they're really making themselves a supreme being <laughs> anyways. And so, um, who is the supreme being? In other words, who's in charge? Who can tell you what to do? Uh, when you don't want to do something, and they, they, they make you do it anyways. And, of course, there's, there's a certain culture of people out there that say, nobody, nobody can make me do something I don't want to do. And then they pay taxes. Yeah, liars. <laughs> okay, so you get the idea there. All right, up next here. Um, this is more, the biblical worldview. This is not just how you get to heaven. Okay, it, it, that's a part of it. It's way bigger than that. This is a total life change. This is understanding trials, people, everything through Scripture. So, like, when you see people, I want you to think of them as this is someone that bears the image of God. 
This is someone that God has designed. This is someone that Christ thought it was worth shedding his blood for, okay? Uh, this is either a person that you see, this is either a brother or sister in Christ or a potential brother or sister in Christ. Now, I understand the Bible's true that the minority of people will believe, and that's a fact, but you don't know who they are. <laughs> so we, we share the gospel with everybody just as passionately. We don't know who they are. Um, so they could be a potential brother or sister in Christ. God knows, but we do not. And so here's that idea again. We need to be heavenly minded and eternity focused. That's how we need to be thinking. Trials. Uh, you know, when someone gets cancer or something like that, it's a famous one, right? Do you, do you think this is the end? This is it. Uh, how could God do this to me? Is this how you're thinking through it? Or are you thinking through it as in how can God redeem this? Uh, how can God be glorified? And in a positive sense, not like, well, of course it can't, but in a positive sense, like, oh, I'm looking for this. Um, and you, you could think to yourself, okay, maybe God has allowed this to happen to me, so now I can share the gospel with someone that I was not able to before. Maybe God has allowed this tragedy to come into my life so that people will listen to his word better, more clearly. There's so many different avenues of goodness that can come from trials. How are we looking through that? James 1 says to meet those trials with joy, right? Why? Because you're looking at the long term, the end game, so to speak, how God is using it in your own life to mold you into the image of his son, but also even to use it to comfort other people and to even share the gospel. There's lots of examples in scripture how those things are all true. Uh, so don't waste a trial. <laughs> uh, you get cancer, you go, yes, God has obviously allowed this, and I can't wait to see to what purpose. And maybe I won't see the fruit of it, or at least all of the fruit of it, this side of heaven. Maybe I won't. And that's okay, because God's in charge, and we'll see. I, I can't wait to see how he's glorified through this. Okay, so then, Romans 12. Let's turn to Romans 12. We're going to go through a few passages here to wrap this up. To see this biblical worldview, Romans chapter 12. So Romans is one of those books, a lot of them, uh, most of them are this way really, but the way Paul constructs things, it's, it's very much connected. It's hard to say something from Romans without starting at chapter 1 verse 1 <laughs> and work your way through. Because uh, the way it's logically connected, it builds on itself. The idea though is he's making a big plea specifically for his Israelite uh, kinsmen and uh, for the Israelites, the Hebrews, the Jews that have not trusted in Jesus. They have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. He's making a big plea for them um, and working through some other things as well. Romans 9 through 11 in particular, what just finished here in our context, he is, he is telling us exactly um, what is going on with Israel, how God has not rejected them completely. He has put them on the shelf temporarily. Um, but they, they will be, the, his, his Abrahamic covenant, his Davidic covenant, things like that, they're still true. He, the, Israel is still going to be a physical nation used by God uh, one day. And he kind of goes to that and he has this appeal uh, to confess and to believe into Christ and call out to him for salvation. So then at the end of all that, you come to Romans 12 here. He says, I appeal to you. So that's like the idea of I'm begging you to do something, but not for my benefit, it's for your benefit. You know, someone on the side of the road might be begging you for money, and it is for their benefit, right? But this is a begging, that same sort of level of appeal, but not for me, but for you. That's the idea. Therefore, and of course, when you see therefore, you look to you as therefore, right? So based on all that other conversation in Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and so that's kind of an odd thing to say there, living sacrifice, because the whole, kind of the whole point of a sacrifice is it's dead, right? That's kind of the whole point. Um, and that is the point for us as well, because the idea is that we are living for Christ, but we're dying to ourselves every day, every day. We are dying to ourselves. And so what, what kind of a sacrifice should that be? Well, it should be holy and acceptable to God, holy, set apart. Um, so I am dying to myself for his use, for his kingdom, his will, his glory, uh, right? Things like that. And so and that's to be acceptable to God. The whole point of it is not that I'm going to suffer a lot so I look cool or something, um, uh, suffer a lot so I can just get some kind of rewards somewhere. The whole point is that so that my life 
can actually be acceptable to God. Going back to what we were talking about earlier this morning, uh, even with uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, right? That same kind of idea of presenting yourself to God, um, to, to not be ashamed and to be approved. Okay, so you want to be acceptable, that living sacrifice, holy, set apart for him. And then it clarifies, says, which is your spiritual worship? There's some different translations on how they use that there, but it's basically the same idea. Uh, and I can, if you wanted to, I could talk to you about why there's differences there. But it's, it's the same thing. It's your spiritual worship, okay? Uh, worship is the idea of bowing the knee. This is a service. You are the servant. Uh, you are coming before the king, and you are humbling yourself before him, right? Well, we can do this spiritually, in the heart, in the mind, right? That, that sort of a thing. And so this is our spiritual worship. This is how we bow our hearts to him when we die to ourselves every day for his exclusive use of us. Uh, that's a big deal. This takes a biblical worldview. This is something you need to think through every day of your life. Then we go to verse 2. In verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. So you're not going to take on the other worldviews. Okay? You're not going to do that. You're not going to be like the world in the sense of sinfulness, in the sense of living for self, that kind of an idea. Um, so instead, what are we going to do? It says, but be transformed. Because remember, we were like the world originally, right? We had to be born again. We had to come to know him. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is something that needs to continually happen. Uh, continually happen. We get, we get a bunch of junk in our heads. Uh, we are still sinners. Uh, and so we need to be constantly working at this. And this is still the, that same idea of dying to self, right? But you're, you're focusing on having that renewed, that born-again type mindset. Uh, not that you're losing salvation and trying to be saved again. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you're going back to being like Christ every time. You're being like Christ. I want to be with Christ. I want to be in Christ. That's sort of an idea. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind that, you have a purpose here, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So the trials that come, the testing, you, this is your preparation for what comes. Do you think that there's a chance? Now, maybe you're going through a trial right now. Maybe you're suffering right now. That, that could be very true for quite a few of you. But it, let's say you're not even, or if you are, it still applies. Do you think in the future that there might be a time when you would go through a trial? Do you think that there might be a chance that you will suffer? Is there a possible chance, right? And so as I say that, you're thinking, well, of course. <laughs> of course I'm going to go through some trials. Of course there is. So then we have to make sure we are preparing properly. We need to be preparing. So it even goes back to verse 1 here. So I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, this is the whole point, it's just leading up to it. This is our preparation for it. That by testing you may discern to know the difference between, okay, good and evil, right and left, that kind of thing. You may discern what is the will of God, okay? So what is the will of God? The will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. <laughs> That's what it is. And so you have to think through the choices that you have in life. When you come to trials, you discern what does God have for me that is good? What is the good choice? So even like Ephesians 2.10, the good works he's prepared beforehand, that you should walk in them, Right? Uh, so where is that good work I'm supposed to be doing for you, Lord? Where is it? What is acceptable to you? Um, I, I want to be accepted. I can, I can think up stuff that's not bad. I can think up stuff that at least appears good. But what is actually good for me in this moment for you, Lord? What is acceptable for me in this moment for you? And perfect, right? Not, not, not just something that's okay, but it's actually the exact thing that you're supposed to be doing. And so how do you discern and actually tell the difference of what is good, acceptable, and perfect, the will of God in your life for that moment? It's if you've done the rest of verses 1 and 2. Every day. That's a part of it. We have to do that. This is a worldview thing. This is biblical worldview. Uh, you can say, yeah, it's good to have a biblical worldview. And you can say, well, I think I, I have one because I'm a Christian. Well, you should have one. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of Christians out there that don't really have a biblical worldview. Uh, they can tell you how to get to heaven, but that's about it. Everything else is maybe a lot like the world. Uh, they've been conforming to the world. We don't want to do that. Let's go to our next passage here. That's in Colossians 2. So there's an old thing that I was taught once with, you know, because as a, as a kid, I'd get confused. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. In what order are they? I get those confused all the time. 
And then someone, there's different, there's different acronyms that people will use, but the one I heard was God's Electric Power Company. Okay, this first, the first letters there, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. When I heard that, I thought, that's so dumb. I, that, why, why are they, I've never forgotten it though, and now I can always find these books. So, <laughs> so it's, it's not so dumb after all. Um, it's pretty cool. So God's Electric Power Company, you can always remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, anyways, Colossians, that was free, by the way. That was just free. Colossians 2, I'm going to start in verse 6 here. Therefore, so once again, you know, everything he's been talking about, right? A big emphasis on being in Christ. Uh, The Colossian people, they were looking everywhere else for all the things that God offers. Uh, Knowledge, wisdom, peace, satisfaction, fulfillment, that kind of thing. They're looking in all these other places. And Paul comes back to them and says, look, it's all in Christ. He has all knowledge. He has all wisdom. He has everything. It's, it's all him. And so then he comes to uh, Colossians 2, verse 6. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Okay? As you received him. So for you believers out there, you, you think through um, how you came to know him personally when you were born again. Uh, w- what was that like? It, it was through the word of God. Whether, whether someone just paraphrased something to you or not, or, or however it actually worked out, they use the word of God. Why? Because it's foundational. It's authoritative, right? Christ in that moment was surely supreme above all else. You weren't at that moment of being born again. You decided that this is the only place that I can find truth, that I can find wisdom, that I can find purpose and meaning, right? All these things. So you think about that. As you receive Christ, all those things that were going on, how you had your priorities set up, he says, continue like that. So walk in him. Keep living that way. How many Christians start out that way, and then later on, they start giving, let's say, you know, the government more authority than God? Or they start giving uh, their family, you know, different societies and stuff. Family is more important. Uh, you know, especially a lot of Asian-type societies, especially. You have the honor-shame type thing, and family is very important. And uh, there's a lot of communities where to accept Christ is to reject the entire family. And that's a big deal, right? And so what, what becomes more important? Um, and it, the list can go on and on and on. Career, education, whatever it may be. So it says, so walk in him. Keep that up. And so it says, rooted and built up in him. So you have those strong biblical worldview roots. Your roots go deep into who Christ is. You are firmly planted. And as a tree, the kind of illustration there, you are growing up, being built up in him. So how does a tree get built up like that? It's pulling all those nutrients, right, from, from where its roots are. And so if you're rooted in Christ, you're pulling all that from Christ. His wisdom, his truth, his purpose, okay, all these sorts of things. So you're rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Boy, is that a big worldview thing. Okay, there's, there's lots I could talk about here, but I want to just park on thanksgiving. Giving thanks, that, that is such a big deal, such a big deal. Don't let thanksgiving go by and waste that opportunity to even invite unbelievers over and talk about who we give thanks to and why. Uh, our American culture has bought into the idea of Thanksgiving, and if they're really thinking about it, they, they thank each other. Sometimes people are just, I'm thankful for, and they'll say what they're thankful for, a house, a car, maybe something like that. Take a moment to say, who are you thankful to for that? That's an interesting thing. Are you thankful to yourself, really? We, we talk like this. We, 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 the, the, the world may give credit to some just mystical force, something like that. Let's name it. Let's say, no, it's God. It's Jesus Christ. Often when I talk to someone, I don't bog them down with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I simply just say Jesus Christ for like everything. Jesus Christ works in your heart. Jesus Christ is supreme. I I say all that. If they ask me questions, I'll answer them, but um, I try to keep it simple that way uh, because it's the name that saves Jesus Christ, right? And then I can continue to disciple them once they're born again and explain that God has such depth and complexity. We just can't wrap our minds around it. That's an amazing thing. Okay, so we're abounding in thanksgiving. So that's even us a, a, a challenge. It's a challenge for me. I, I know it's a challenge for us. There's very few people that would say, oh, no, I definitely am completely thankful enough, <laughs> right? Okay. Um, I, I know some people that every single day they write three things that they're thankful for. Uh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I, I, I probably should incorporate that in my life. That's, that's a really good thing. Um, I, you know, it's, it's the old story where I'll, I'll, I'll do good and I'll kind of fall off and, you know, try to get better again. And maybe you're there with me. Maybe you can understand that a little bit. Uh, the idea is, are we abounding in thanksgiving? 
uh, who are we thankful to and why. And when we do that, we really recognize who God is, what he's given to us, and how we live for him because he's given it to us anyways, right? Um, that's so important. A biblical worldview is a thankful worldview. So we move on here. Okay, so verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive. See to it. That means you get, you're going to put some work into this. You are going to work at a biblical worldview and to make sure you're not taking on any other kind of worldview. See to it that no one takes you captive. Uh, you don't want to be captivated by the wrong thing. Uh, you want to be captivated by God, who he is, his word. And what would they take you captive by? Philosophy, empty deceits, okay? Um, they can persuade with things that aren't even necessarily real, uh, but you've been persuaded. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, um, there's lots you can say about a lot of these things here, but, it, it, but the big point is not according to Christ, okay? Uh, that's a big deal. Uh, so when someone is persuading you to live a certain way, okay, uh, whatever it may be, living a certain way, um, why? Why do I want to do that? Um, and so what is your reasoning behind it? You know, so someone can say, hey, you got to take care of the earth. Okay, I, I agree with that. Uh, I have a biblical worldview that says take care of the earth. God gave us those commands in Genesis, right? Uh, we have dominion over it, manage it, take care of it. Um, but maybe the way that you think I should take care of it, I would disagree with. Or maybe you are giving the earth a level of priority that is out of place. Um, you need to also recognize that this is the same earth that God is going to destroy. Okay? This is the same earth that, that uh, is full of things that just don't matter, that can take our attention away from him. So you have to think about priorities. We have to think about time management. We have to think about the reasoning for what we're doing, right? Those are very important ideas. Ideas are powerful, and they have consequences. All right, so the next, next part here. Verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So going back to Christ, he is supreme. He is the one that we're supposed to be focused on, right? And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Uh, remember that seventh worldview question, the root there? Uh, who is the supreme being? Who's in charge, right? Here it is. Uh, so you'll find these kind of answers all over the Bible, all over the Bible. And as we continue on, um, oh, we go to the next passage, that's right. I thought maybe, oh, no, there it is. I can't hardly see, remember? I told you that. Uh, verse 10, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. No, I already said that. See, I'm, I'm all messed up. Okay. This is why we rely on the word of, person and word of God, not just some guy, right? <laughs> okay, 1 John 2. Now we're on to 1 John 2, 15 through 17. So this is um, another, another popular set of verses, popular for a reason. And here you have John actually using the same exact three things that are found in Genesis 3 for Adam and Eve's temptation. No mistake here. John does this absolutely on purpose. Uh, and he goes through these things and he says in 1 John 2, uh, starting with verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. Notice how much repetition he has here. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't have two masters, right? Actually loving, okay? For all that is in the world, the desires... Oh, that's the next slide. Whoop. So that's verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things there, okay? What appeals to you? Uh, these things that, that make me feel good. These things that make me look important, that make me important in this world, right? Uh, those sort of a things. Um, that, that's not what we should be focusing on. He says, the desires of the flesh, uh, what, what, what satisfies my flesh. I want comfort for myself. A lot of decisions that people make are just based on what gives me comfort, what makes me feel better. Uh, lots of money goes into that sort of a thing, time and energy as well. The desires of the eyes, okay? So we, we see something and we go, ooh, I want that, Okay. Um, why, though? How is it helping you accomplish your purpose for God, right? So you, you think through that a little bit. And the pride of life, of course, just our own status, our own fame, our own importance uh, in people's eyes and things like that. So then we move on here. And it, it's not, well, that, the last part there, verse 16, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world, okay? And then we go to verse 17. And the world is passing away along with his desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Notice the contrast there. One is passing away, one abides forever, that sort of a thing. So it's a biblical worldview. 
to focus on uh, what actually lasts, what's actually important. We can invest a lot of time, energy, money into this world and uh, things that are of it, and it's okay to do some, okay? Because God did, Ecclesiastes 3 in particular, he talks about uh, it's God's gift to man, that he would eat and to drink, that he'd enjoy his days, right? God did give us some wonderful things. He gave us taste buds. You think about that? God didn't have to give us taste buds. Um, it's, that's amazing. We have things like, you know, bacon and lobster and whatnot and, you know, what, ice cream, right? Go back to that. Uh, all these wonderful things. Uh, and, and God created everything so that we would figure out how to use, you know, heat and mixing things and all these other deals to come out with these things. It's an amazing, it's an amazing deal. Uh, even the catfish has 25,000 taste buds. The catfish is digging through muck and poo at the bottom of a pond. And God loved that thing so much, he gave him 25,000 taste buds so he can go, ooh, that's tasty. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and if, the, if he loves the catfish that much, how much does he love us, right? That's a pretty cool deal. Okay, so we have to think about what we're really investing our time, energy, and money in. Where are our priorities at? And when we do enjoy the earth, what do we do? We are thankful to him, right? And we are, we are reminding ourselves of, wow, God, you are good to allow this. And so it's not, don't feel guilty about enjoying something of God's creation. He created it for our pleasure. That's one, one of the reasons. That's okay. It's all about priorities. It's about balance. It's about putting God first, though, no matter what happens, right? That's the big deal. Okay, so that's it. I thought I had like a closing slide there. I didn't. Okay, uh, awesome. Thank you so much. That, that was your worldviews. Hopefully you uh, have a better understanding of what a biblical worldview should be and uh, maybe how to talk to someone a little bit better. Um, if, if I were to get invited back at some point, I do things like this on sharing the gospel, discipleship, and whatnot, uh, just to make myself available to you. Um, if it's helpful, if it's helpful, if it's meaningful, then, you know, you wouldn't want you just to do it to do it, right? But if it's a part of you worshiping together and knowing Christ better and doing his work, then I'd love to be a part of that if I could. Uh, either way, make sure you pray for us. And uh, thank you for inviting me and having me here. I look forward to coming back again. I believe it's uh, August 27th, something like that. It's up there in August anyways. And uh, I'll get to be back after my big Western trip and whatnot. And uh, get to invest in you a little bit more. And so I just want to thank you again for your hospitality. Let me pray, and then you can close how you see fit. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you very much for allowing us all to worship together, to meet each other. Um, as your children, and I would just thank you for the privilege that that is to know you uh, and through your word. Uh, thank you for changing our mind, renewing it. Uh, we know that you have done all the work. We just pray that we would submit to your work in our lives and that we would want to please you uh, to be that living sacrifice, knowing that eternally that is the very best choice we could ever make, and there will be no regrets, there will be no shame if we live our lives that way. We thank you for that opportunity that you give us. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen.